0: Benfica Nation, welcome to Season 4 of Mr. Benfica. This is Episode 117. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. And how is everyone doing tonight? It is Friday night, and Benfica have started for real. And we started this first match off on a good note. I'm not going to be ecstatic about it, of course, because, well... It was Spartak Moscow, and with all due respect to Spartak Moscow, okay, we can't get too ahead of ourselves. Yes, Mephika played very well. They played better than I think they did in the preseason, to be honest with you. I saw more in those 90 minutes than I saw in the majority of the matches I saw in the preseason, Um, but I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. We have a long way to go, but match number one is in the books, and it was a very good uh, start to the season, okay? Uh, Benfica going to Russia, someplace they don't win very often. And Benfica win 2-0 on the road. Goals from Rafa and from, yes, Gilberto. That's right, Gilberto has scored. Gilberto has, uh, he has now as many goals in his Benfica career as Adel Tarap. Yes, I said it. Yes, I said it. You knew it wasn't going to take me long to say that. But Gilberto and Adel Tarap now have the same amount of goals in a Benfica kit. Uh, Gilberto coming off the bench, of course, and providing providing that uh, providing that that goal. Um, overall, good game. Like I said, uh, I think JJ got the tactics right, and I think that if you saw in the show notes, if you if you looked at the show notes before uh, before joining in here, um, for those of you watching live, of course, shout out to everybody watching live on YouTube on on my. Uh, Twitter page and on Facebook right now, as well as everyone watching on Um If you saw in the show notes, I have a link there to an article or an analysis from Letral Skiru, the Portuguese uh, tactics b- and analysis blog site. They did a real good job uh, breaking down the match. I suggest everyone goes to it. I'll, I'll talk about a little bit what they pointed out when we get to uh, the reality of this match. And I'm hoping that this internet signal will... Keep it good tonight. I, I see it going down a bar there, and that always makes me nervous. Um, I am on a VPN now, so this should not uh, I shouldn't be getting throttled anymore. Um, those of you, of course, that followed me during the Euros know that I ran into some internet problems with my internet provider throttling my speeds. So I'm hoping that that is taken care of. And I've got the wrong banner there on the bottom. Give me one moment, change that. There we go. All right, so this is one episode 117. Like I said, Mr. Benfica, Benfica, go to Russia and win. Before that, we got some news to talk about, okay? I'm going to talk about Olympics for a moment because one of our own, one of our own, that's right, won the only Portuguese gold medal at the Tokyo Olympics. And um, you guys probably know by now, none other than Pedro Pichardo, the Portuguese triple jumper. Triple jumps. Uh, 17 meters. seventeen point 17.98 centimeters. In our English metric system. That's about 59 feet and change. Very good jump for the Benfica triple jumper. And Benfica now um, have the only Portuguese gold medal at these games. And there's another club who thinks they are the Olympic club of Portugal. There's another club that thinks they win all the medals. Well... There were two clubs that took medals. Two for us, two for them. But we got the gold. We got the gold. That's right. We got the gold. So big shout-out to Pedro Pichardo. Very, very proud of Pedro Pichardo. I'll talk a little bit more about his jump at the end. I know you guys are here for the football. So let's get right into the football, okay? Um, Again, those of you uh, listening on the podcast, um, there's there's a graphic going along the bottom here talking about the... The 2 nothing win over Russia, over Spartak Moscow, excuse me. I'm going to bring up the starting lineups, okay? I have them here, and we're going to look at it real quick. We're going to start with the Russian side, managed, of course, by... Rui Vitoria as you know the manager of Spartak Moscow former Benfica manager okay a lot of people throwing throwing hate out at that Rui Vitoria there's no hate from me on that man he won us two titles yeah he had his trouble but so have others and um I hope that I hope that Rui Vitoria uh, has a lot of success in Russia. I hope he wins the Russian Premier League. I hope he loses, you know, two nothing again in the second leg. Maybe more um, against us. Obviously, I'm not rooting for him, but otherwise, I am rooting for Juventudia. But here is his his, his uh, starting lineup. He's got Alexander Maximenko in goal. I talked in the last episode about how I was I was concerned about how the left side of our defense and how it's leaked goals and how I was concerned for. Um, Especially about Grimaldo and Vertonghen playing both on that side. And I was worried about Victor Moses coming down. But it turns out Victor Moses does not make the starting lineup in this match. Uh, instead, who you thought he goes with the, these four across the back? Nikol, Nikolai Razakov Razakov uh, at right back. Samuel Gigot and Georgi Zikia are the two center backs. The Brazilian Ayrton Lucas is the left back in midfield. Uh, what what was meant to be a a four three three turned into a four one four one. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But on paper here, according to FOTMOB, they have it in a 4-4-1-1. I don't necessarily agree with that. But the right side midfielder is Roman Zobnin. The two center mids, Jordi Hendricks and Neil Yumarov. Um, you have Zalimkan Bakayev as the left side of midfielder, the number ten, very talented. Uh, ball-handling midfielder playing down the left flank. In the number 10 position, you have Jordan Larson, who is the son of Swedish legend Henrik Larson. I think you remember him if you're a fan of Celtic, especially where he made a huge name for himself, but also Manchester United and Barcelona later. Uh, Henrik Larson, this is his son, Jordan. Uh, He plays in the number 10 behind the striker Alexander Sobolev. And And um, for Benfica now, we're playing in our familiar 3-5. And I see a comment in there. I'll go to it in a moment. Um, I see we go back to our familiar three-five-two, Okay, or three-four-three three is really what we shoot for. And you guys know I like this formation. I, I advocated for it last season um, when everyone else was criticizing it. I think we're starting to get the hang of it. If you watch the Euro this summer. You saw just how popular this, this system of play is. Big reason, outside wingbacks don't defend anymore, so you need three central defenders. That's that's the biggest reason I see for needing to go to this system of play. You're asking so much offensively of your two wingbacks that you need the coverage. And in Benfica's case, it was it, it, it's more out of a necessity. It's the fact that they have three central defenders. Um, and now I think we have a solid backup in Moratu, so I think the system is going to work. JJ had alluded that he that they had done the 4-4-2 all preseason and he had said that you know he ex- he planned on going with the 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 same formation he used in the preseason because that's what they've been working he was uh he was putting on his poker face when he said that because he comes out in the 3-4-3-3-5-2 three, 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 whatever it's a flex formation it kind of variates but big surprise and goal we're gonna start there it's a big surprise and goal Odisea's is returns to the starting lineup in an official match a lot of talk out there about this. A lot of people not sure why. My guess, okay, I've been asked this. I'm going to say my best guess as to why Odie gets the start and not Elton late has to be on form this season in training. Something is there that's not that's not um, allowing... George Jesus to have the full confidence in Elton late. That's the only thing I can think of because Elton is more a J.J. Style, uh, JJ style goalkeeper. He's he's better with his feet. He he comes out better. He plays the crosses better. But Odie shows in this game. He comes up big with big, big saves. He's a great shot stopper. Uh, that's his thing. He cuts the angle. He makes the shot stop. He doesn't catch anything. We get that. But... He has himself a very, very good, good performance in this in this match here against Spartak Moscow. Oh, and uh, JJ goes with Odi. The three center backs, of course, it's Verissimo on the right, Nicholas Otamendi in the center of the general, and Superman Jan Vertonghen is the left-sided center back. Uh, Grimaldo and Diogo Gonçalves return at wing backs. Diogo Gonçalves saw very little action in preseason. Very happy to see him. Uh, in this 11. Very, very happy he, he got in there. Um, I think JJ managed it perfectly. He played him about an hour, and then he pulled him and went with Gilberto, who, as we said, made a big uh, big impact in this match. Uh, the three in the center, center of midfield, Julian uh, Weigel, João Mario, and Pizzi. And again, I said in the last episode I'm starting to grow on João Mario. Joao Mario had himself one heck of a performance, one heck of a night in this match. Um, He introduced himself to Benfica Nation in a big way, in my opinion. And the biggest difference from Joao Mario versus Gabriel versus Tarap, versus PZ, even, when Pizzi's asked to do that role, um, is that he loses the ball a lot less. You can see right away, Julian Weigel has to do a lot less running around, covering holes, a lot less recovering because the guy in front of him is better at keeping the ball and protecting the ball, but if he can move the ball very well in this match. And I think Mario deserves a lot of credit for that right now. I'm not going to get too too high on him. Um, I'm not going to get too high on this team and on this performance, like I said. And I see the comment in the in the chat. I'm going to bring it up in just a moment. It's I think it's alluding to um, it's alluding to this a little bit, alluding to not getting too too uh, high up on this one one match, this one early match. But those are the that's the midfield trio. In the attack, you have Rafa partnering with the Swiss Army Knife Eris Seferovic. Let's bring in the the let's bring in the comment here from João Coutinho. Good night. My head is on that PSV match already. So important, but very good team And second leg away with a full crowd. Oh yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I'm excited about one thing: PSV this tomorrow. Actually, if you're if you're watching live, if you're listening on the podcast, Saturday. Um, they're playing Ajax in the Dutch Super Cup and my DVR is already set to record that I'm going to check that out I'm going to watch them and maybe I'm going to throw up a little written content a little written preview or a little written scouting report on what I see uh, on www.misterbenfica.com, I'll throw that up there this weekend, and um, well, maybe not this weekend yet because we haven't. Uh, let, let's hold our horses. Like I said, this is two legs this year. It's not one like last year, so we still got to play the home leg next Wednesday uh, against uh, Spartak at the Stade de Luge with with a small capacity, but with some people in the stands. Um, if you saw the Liga B win opener tonight, Sporting played in Alvalade with fans. I'm assuming we're going to have a similar percentage of fans as they had it made a huge difference. So hopefully we're gonna see some some loud some some passionate Benfica support in the Stadio de Luge on Wednesday. Um but yeah when we go away assuming we advance when we go away to PSV in the second leg it's gonna be a full crowd. I think it's gonna be a very, very good test for this team because this team needs tests. This team needs to be tested and um listen there's no excuses this season, okay? Uh, COVID shouldn't be an issue in this team. This te- the entire team's vaccinated, okay? It shouldn't be an issue like it was last year. It shouldn't wipe out the whole team at the very least. If somebody gets it, it's going to be one or two guys, and they, they may be missing action due to a positive test and not necessarily due to symptoms, okay? That's that's at least what they're telling us. That's what the experts say to us. So that's one thing. The other thing, there's, there's no excuse. We had a full preseason this year. Yes, it was short for the guys that went on and played in the Euro or played in Copa America. That's true, it was short. But the majority of the team got together and had a full preseason, um, and we got the, the the fixture congestion list is a lot less congested this season because we're going to be playing uh, we're going to be playing the same amount of matches over ten months versus over eight and a half months. Hopefully, that is going to make a big difference this season, and hopefully that is going to help us and also our our rivals across town are playing in Europe this season. They played 12 matches less than we did last season. They played 12 matches less than Football Club do Porto and less than Sporting Braga did. This year it'll be more balanced I think in that in that um factor. And well, yeah, as Jerome said, I'm also I'm also um Got one eye on PSV as well. Actually really excited to see them face a team of that caliber. I think a team we're probably going to match up to very uh, very similarly to. And we got to get through this this second leg, of course. And of course, we got our league opener tomorrow. And that's why I'm coming to you tonight to get this match reviewed and watched. But um, again, I really enjoyed this match. That's something different. At the end of last season, I was on this microphone telling you I couldn't wait for this season to end. It really felt like that down the stretch. We got to the cup final and it just was a, a microcosm of what was the entire season. Just enough to get our hopes up and then to have them crushed against the Sporting Braga team. In in, in a match that, yes, we lost and yes, they deserved to win, but we we shot ourselves in the foot. So to me, this clean sheet means so much. And Regardless of who J.J.'s long-term goalkeeper is this season, and this is reminding me, those of you a little older, um, maybe more my age, those of you in your late 30s or older, remember J.J.'s first, perhaps you remember J.J.'s first uh, passage through Benfica. I'm thinking specifically 07, 08, uh, I think, it's or 08, 09, whatever his first season was. Similar thing, okay, he uh, surprised everyone when, when Moreira was in such high form. It's not the same thing, but similar situation in goalkeeping. Moreira was very, very high in the preseason. He had played very well, played a lot of the matches. In fact, even got called in to by, if, if I'm not mistaken, it was Paulo Bento was the was the Portugal manager at the time. Or it was Carlos Queiroz, actually. Carlos Queiroz actually called Moreira into the national team and gave him his only cap. In that preseason window, in that what used to be the the August international uh, date, he gave Moreira a cap because he played so well for Befica in the preseason. In the final preseason match of the season, the Ozebu Cup versus AC Milan. I know because I was in the bancada Coca-Cola that night. Uh, surprises everyone and throws Keane in goal that night. And Keane played he was the starting goalkeeper the rest of the season. At that time, inexplicably, because Moreira had had regained his form and had outplayed King um, in the preseason. King had had a rough, rough clo- into the season the, the year before, and. It surprised everyone, and I think he did the same thing here, in that he's surprising us, going with Odie here after, especially after the the relationship seemed to be destroyed between Odie and JJ last season, and then Odie has that disastrous performance in the Cup final, but here he is, and he's he, he every time he was called on, he was fantastic in this match against uh, Spartak. A lot of good, yeah. He didn't, I know. He the same errors the only problem is he hasn't progressed where we want to see him um, in his weaknesses he's still not catching crosses he's punching or he's or he's parrying things away but he made a couple big stops when the when the game was still nil nil which could have been um which could have been a completely different match had he had he not been there and not been well positioned and not made the stop on those plays okay so We've got the lineups there, and of course, uh, important to remember that away goals no longer a thing in European football. Um, UEFA did away with the away goals rule. They also apparently don't care enough to put VAR in this round. This to them is not part of the Champions League. Uh, João Gonçalves talked about this on BTV before the match or after the match, I should say, in the post game and. And uh, he's right. Uh, UEFA gives absolutely no importance. They they give no respect to the teams playing in this in this uh, this level of the competition or at this stage of the competition, I should say. They don't use the Champions League ball. They don't play the Champions League anthem. There's no Champions League branding anywhere in the stadium. Um, disrespectful. Most of all, no VAR. If again, and like Joao Gonsalves said on BTV, I am in 100% agreement that VAR is either going to be used or it's not. It's not going to be used sometimes and then not used other times. It's not just when the big teams are playing that it's that that you're going to go to the VAR. The VAR needs to be consistently used. There's no reason why a team that qualifies for the Champions League preliminary preliminary rounds or not doesn't have. If your stadium has the, the conditions, if it meets the metrics to host a European match, your stadium should be equipped for VAR, that just needs to be the one of the minimum requirements, let's get real here for a minute, okay, Uh, and Befica, of course, without the VAR, two penalty kicks were not called, I think at least one of them... You know, the referee points to the spot if he looks at the video. No doubt about it, okay? But it is what it is. They didn't go with it. Um, the match starts off, and in the first 10 minutes, Spartak were, were the better side. Okay, Benfica started just a little bit slow, just a little bit cautious, I would say. It wasn't even slow, but Jordan Larson has an, a left-footed opportunity in the 7th minute uh, from a difficult angle, and it was saved in the bottom right corner. This is one of the saves from Odie. Imagine that the save isn't made here in the 7th minute. I think we have a completely different match on our hands. Now, uh, one minute later, Diogo Salvage gets a header. This should have been 1-0 to Benfica, no question about it. Uh, Rafa sends in a nice nice cross from the left. He finds Diogo Salvage at the far post. He gets up in the air. He makes what should have been good contact, however not a natural header of the ball as you can see doesn't get any power on it and he does not get any direction in terms of, he basically heads it to, in a straight line ahead to what he's looking at the goalkeeper was able to read it it was right at the goalkeeper and unfortunately Benfica don't go ahead 1-0 here in the 8th minute as they should have um really Diogo Gonçalves needed to at least get it a little bit to the right or the left of the goalkeeper um an early goal here could have could have also you know, made for a different match, maybe a more comfortable match. Maybe we get two or three goals if this one goes in. Um, but Benfica shown signs early, and once they weathered the the first six seven minutes uh, of Spartak really attacking, really uh, looking for a goal, uh, Benfica go into complete control mode after that. And you know, we get another attempt in the 16th minute. It's it's peasy, right-footed shot from the center of the box, but it's too high, and Uh, Seferovic sets him up with that one. PZ, not his best day at all. Uh, A lot of criticism out there on PZ for this match, and somewhat rightfully so. It is early in the season, but PZ typically starts these seasons on fire. If you look at his career, uh, and I'm talking about PZ, of course, um, you look at his career, the majority of his international caps come in the September and October international windows because he starts seasons so well. And, again, he is an important part of this Benfica team. Um, he brings goals and assists, which other players still are not getting up to that level. Should he be our top goal and assist? Not our top goal guy, but our top you know, producer of goals or assists if you combine them, okay? If you combine the goals and assists. Should he be our top guy for that? Probably not. However, he steps up. He is a player again that I've said now since I started this podcast. This is season four starting tonight. So since I started this podcast, I've said PZ is a player that is a mid level player, okay? Or slightly above average. But for for portions of the season and for you know uh for windows of six, seven weeks He's capable of raising his game and elevating his game to here, to a higher class. And he can, he can do that for a certain amount of time. He does it every season. There, there's a point in every season where PZ plays at a much higher level than he normally plays. The objective needs to be to harness that when it happens and to ride it as far as you can. The problem is Benfica starts to rely on him. And he's not a player of the level that you can put you can put everything on, on PZ. Um so I'm a bit concerned he didn't start this this season off as well. He did not have a good game yesterday. All right, he is wearing the, the captain's armband in this one. Not not a good match for PZ. But I'm hoping that we see the PZ of the Liga tomorrow. I hope we see some form. I hope we see an assist at least, a goal or an assist from PZ against Morales. This is a crucial match right there in round one we have to set the tone right with all the turmoil in the club the football team needs to get off to a good start to remind people why we love this club and you know remind people that it's about the performance on the pitch okay we're all caught up in what's going on off the pitch myself included okay we don't know who our president's gonna be you know by at the end of the year um, we don't know what the direction for the club's going to be f- We don't really know the financial state of the club, given what's been going on and what our our former president was doing. How much money did he take? That's the question. Okay, we don't really know. I mean, maybe the club knows, but we have not been told all the details. So it will be interesting to see what happens here with this club. And I apologize if the if the feed is going bad, I'm getting a low signal once again uh apologies to those of you watching live and um hopefully that that comes back up in a moment um again we we don't know where this club is going from a from an organizational standpoint, and hopefully things get organized quickly um hopefully like I said, elections get scheduled um hopefully candidates come forward. Um, put themselves in the picture, and hopefully very soon we will um, we will know where, where this club is going. But right now we have to focus. These players and this, this staff need to focus on the pitch. We move forward. 26th minute, it's Rafa with an opportunity. A right-footed shot from the right side of the box. It was close, but it misses to the left. Diogo Salvage sets him up on that one. Um, and I can see that this this signal is probably deteriorating again. My apologies. I'm hoping that it'll come back shortly. Um, again, I'm on a VPN and I'm plugged directly into the into the router. Not sure why the signal is is so low. Moving on, 29th minute. It's Peasy with an opportunity, the best opportunity of the match so far, and it is. It is some good play. This was this was some real good play from Benfica, moving the ball around well. Pizzi gets the ball at the center of the box, but it is blocked. He takes too long to unload. Uh, the ball gets knocked wide to Rafa. He finds Pizzi coming in, arriving late. One of the things Pizzi does well, he trails and then arrives late, gets, us, gets uh, the inside of his foot on it, but doesn't place it well, and it goes right into the defender. And Spartak avoid danger there. In the 32nd minute, Alexander Sobolev goes into the book for a bad foul on Ulyan Weigel. And he he uh, is booked. And at the same time, just a moment or two later, Seferovic goes down. And Seferovic is holding uh, his leg. As it is the first of what I think could be many, many injuries this season. Not necessarily to Benfica, but to the players who have just been absolutely maxed out with uh fixtures in the past 12 months. Um it looked like a muscle injury and uh, to me it looks like a physical wear and tear injury, not enough recovery time, not enough of an off season. He had a heck of a of a Euro 2020 seferovic did. Uh his team went all the way to the quarterfinals, all the way to a shootout in that quarterfinal. So, um concerning but I think you're going to see this happen to a lot of players this season. Uh, they just played an eight-and-a-half-month season. They played ten months' worth of matches in eight-and-a-half months and then went and played a major tournament this summer. Um, there, there's a good chance that some players are even playing in two tournaments. Some players, not necessarily in our league, but, but players for Brazil and for for Spain have played in both the, the Copa America slash Euro 2020 and now played in the Olympics this summer. They're bringing a lot of mileage, a lot of wear into the season. Seferovic is a player who's played a lot, and he played a lot last season. So doesn't surprise me too much when in 36-minute, Sal Ramush gets his chance. And uh, uh, again, uh, some of the critics are out already on the kid, 19 years old, um, coming in in a Champions League qualifier, massive pressure on him. And yes, he misses a sitter not long after coming on. Let's see here. He misses it just a few minutes later. And I think that the nerves may have got to him, but he needs the experience. He needs the minutes. There is the other reality that we have six forwards on a team that plays with really one striker. We have six. Um, so he has to take his chances when when they come. Roman Yarmuchuk is, re- is going to be ready to play soon. He's going to be stepping in, and if Gonzalo Ramos wants to play, he has to finish his opportunities. But I, I, you know, you guys know me, uh, how I feel about the young kids. The young kids need patience, and they need opportunity. They need minutes. They need reps. They need to hit a certain comfort level. But for Gonzalo Ramos, we do know his quality as a substitute. He has shown that. And he showed that last season. When called on, he delivers. Um, so... He came in, he found it difficult this match, but I think that <laughs> I'm obviously still very, very high on this player. Alright, we're going to move to the second half. And right off the bat, Otamendi tries a long through ball, a nicely played one, but peasy is offside. Uh, Jan Vertonghen goes in the referee's book for a bad foul in the 47th minute fouling uh, Roman Zubnin. But then, there it comes shortly thereafter the fiftieth minute, and it is none other than Rafa Silva that's right, our Speedy Gonzalez he gets into space, and this was a nice, nice uh combination play here involving several players okay the The play goes through Varissimo goes through Weigel. PZ gets on it. It gets to Diogo gonçalves Diogo gonçalves finds João Mário. João Mário and Rafa combine. Ends in Rafa to João Mário. João Mário back to Rafa on the give and go. And Rafa buries the ball in the roof of the goal. He he hits the top netting, the upper netting. Beats the goalkeeper with uh, somewhat of a trivella there. And it, he smashes it. He absolutely smashes it by the goalkeeper. Benfica take the lead, one nil in Russia. I popped for this goal. I was psyched. The first goal of the season, and I was psyched that Joao Mario had a, a hand in it. And I, I'm I'm happy to see the way Joao Mario looks like he's played with this team for a, for a, a lot longer. This did not look like his first official match with these players. And yes, he's got some some national team. Um, Comrades, on this, on this, in this squad, uh, PZ and Rafa especially have played with him in the national team, or specifically, I should say. But I really like—I said in the last episode—what I've noticed about him that I really like is just how smooth of a of a footballer he is. His touches are are very, very smooth, very natural. The ball seems to love his foot, and he makes nice movements, small movements. He's not a fast player; he's not going to sprint past you. But he makes such such perfect movements with his body. And he opens his body up so well to receive passes. Okay, this is an underrated quality. And in this match, he just took such good care of the ball. He found the passes. Sometimes it was lateral, sure. Sometimes it was back. But Befica lost so many fewer balls than we did last season. And i he's growing on me. I have to say, I was not excited, like I said, about Romário coming to Befica at first. But I'm, from what I saw in this match, I think he, he fits. And I see why J.J. wanted him. Uh, he fits into what J.J. wants to do. And in this 3-4-3, he fits even better. And when you have the chance of having him and Weigel on the pitch together, and when when uh, Miete is ready to come on in, the three of them together, I said this in the previous uh, episode, with a double pivot uh, of Miete and I believe that's his I don't want to mispronounce his name <laughs> it is uh yeah Miete I didn't want to mispronounce his name there um when you get him in and you put him in a double pivot with 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 Weigel and then you get a ball handling guy like João Mario at the tip of that of that triangle in midfield I love it I love it I think that's a that's gonna be a strong a strong, strong midfield. We still got Florentino as well, who I'm huge on. And I think if given the opportunity, Florentino is going to blossom um, with these type of players around him. I mean, you play Florentino. Uh, beh- you can also play Florentino as a whole, a true holding midfielder in a number six role with Vigel and, and Romadio playing side-by-side side next to each other, or or Vigel and Miete playing next to each other, or Miete and and... Uh, Joao Mario, any combination of that, I think, is going to be a, a very good midfield, and you put them together, I think, Befica is going to be so much stronger uh, in the center channel this season, and they're going to protect that back three much better this season if you know these players play to their capabilities. A very nice goal here from Rafa Silva, um, due in large part to a beautiful ball from Joao Mario. Benfica continue to put up the pressure. And it's Otamendi with an opportunity in the 52nd minute. Just two minutes later, he gets a header from the center of the box. Off of a uh, cross from Peasy, but it is blocked. A 58th minute, and again, it's Peasy. A right-footed shot from the center of the box. Once again, blocked. Peasy's just a little bit slow to pull the trigger so far this season. At least in this match, Um not up to, to to full speed yet. Not up to regular season speed, if you want to call it that. I, I'm hoping that PZ picks it up, like I said. Because with the talent now we have in that midfield, PZ could find himself on the outs, and he's the club captain. I don't want to see that. I want to see him fight for a spot, and I want to see him play to a level to which he can keep his spot. And hopefully... Hopefully, um, PZ raises his game and and plays his normal early season form because I I love that PZ. And that PZ delivers for this Benfica team. He has time and time again throughout his time in Benfica. The early season version of PZ and the late season version of PZ sometimes. Um, It's it's that middle window where PZ really struggles. But um, I'm hoping that this was just a bad night for him and that... uh, He's going to recover well, and now we're going to see a, a different PZ tomorrow. Vitoria goes to the bench in the 58th minute, and it is Mikhail Iganatov coming on for Ro- for Roman Zobnin. Um, and then another another attempt saved, and this time it's a right-footed shot from the center of the box by Gonzalo Ramos. He gets on the end of a ball from PZ, but the goalkeeper makes a nice save and uh, in the bottom right corner. If he could continue to push the issue. However, they caught on the counter here in the 61st and it's uh, Zilmikan Bakayev, the number 10 who gets the ball left footed shot from outside the box. It's close, but it misses to the left. And um again, Odi was in was in good position for that one and that's what Odi does well. Another through ball attempted by Nicolas Otamendi in the 63rd, but Ulian Weigel is offside. Substitution in the 64th. On comes Subilenia. That's right. Everton replaces Pezzie. Tough night for Pezzie, like we said. Also in the 64th, Gilberto comes on to the onto the pitch. That's it for Diogo Gonçalves. Again, very few minutes in preseason. Very few reps. Good outing for Diogo Gonçalves um, in 65 minutes. I couldn't have asked for more from him. Uh, he delivered and did exactly what the what the side needed him to do. Uh, I think his manager would have been pleased with him. Uh Gilberto, who played all pretty much all of preseason, comes in. Gilberto delivers here. And um really no drop off down the right, which is a good sign. And um You know, the former Fluminense man is fighting for his spot in this team. A lot of people want him out. He hears the noise. Maybe you know, he's fighting for his spot. Juivitadio returns to the bench in the sixty-seventh minute. On comes the former Liverpool Chelsea. And Nigeria international Victor Moses he replaces Bakayev, and he quickly it's a it's a heads up for for uh, for Gilberto as, as Moses comes in to play on the left side he replaces Bakayev but again Benfica in complete control of this match playing very well moving the ball well positioning is very good I'll get to and I'll get to the article in just a moment and um, they, they explain it really well. Uh, Otamendi with another opportunity in the 68th Grimaldo with the, with the cross Otamendi a header from the center of the box But it's blocked um, Again somewhere in here is, is the calls for another penalty In the 69th it's Gonzalo Ramuj again Right footed shot from very close range This is actually the sitter I was talking about earlier I didn't realize it happened this late in the match uh, it, it, This is the sitter Urien uh, Weigel gets on the end of a corner, flicks it towards uh, the goal. All Gonzalo Ramos has to do is get it down, get it on frame, and it is going to go in because the goalkeeper is beaten, but Gonzalo Ramos can't direct it at goal. It goes high and wide. Uh, another save for Odi in the 71st, and it is Victor Moses, left-footed shot from the left side of the box. Top center of the goal saved by Odi Seish. In the 72nd, here it comes. It is none other than the guy we talked about the guy fighting for his place in this team, the guy who who wants to be in this side, the guy everybody wants to cast away, everybody wants to get rid of it is Gilberto getting on the end of a beautiful pass from Lucas Verissimo great great match for the Brazilian center back in this in this one Lucas Verissimo maybe one of his best matches as a Benfica player. Um, I said this at the end of last season that maybe the injury was a Good thing from a Benfica standpoint. Not so good for Lucas Veríssimo because I'm sure he wanted to go to Copa America with Brazil. Um, the injury prevented that and and thus got a fantastically, um, you know, got a nice long uh, off season to recover. And I think it shows because Lucas Veríssimo is in fine form right now. Delivers a beautiful pass here. Uh, a beautiful through ball and Gilberto makes no mistake about it, buries it past the goalkeeper. Two 0 to Benfica. Benfica continue to to press forward. 76th minute, a double substitution for Spartak. Alex Kral, the Czech Republic international, replaces Jordan Larson. and in uh, also it's Argentina international Ezekiel Ponce. That's right, it is Otamendi's Argentina teammate Ezekiel Ponce replacing Jordi Hendrix. And uh, Spartak looking for anything to try to, to, to make it more of a game. Coming back to the Luge next week. But uh, it is uh, Gonzalo Ramos with another opportunity in the 82nd minute. Left-footed shot from the center of the box, but high and wide. Substitution in the 83rd. Double substitution. On comes Adel Tarapt for Rafa Silva. And on for his Benfica official debut first team. Uh, official debut, it is Gilles Diez. comes in for Grimaldo and um, gets a little bit of a run out, gets a little bit of experience here, the young Gil Dias, the converted left wing back who I think is going to replace Grimaldo at some point, when that day comes that Grimaldo is in fact sold and basically cash in on that investment um, should that be this season, who knows but I think for the future that, that Gil Dias is a player that that Rui Costa, at least, if not George Jesus, has in mind for that position going forward because we don't know how long JJ is here for. His contract goes through this season. After that, who knows? Um, I think Rui Costa is obviously thinking further and um, and also um, the new sporting director there, Rui Pedro Braj as well, thinking forward. And I think Gil Diaz is a versatile player who can replug into a couple of positions. Uh, but if you can see out the results... There's not much else to talk about. One more opportunity in the 90th plus two. It's Everton with the right-footed shot from the left side of the box. But it's right at the set setup by Gildiash. So, Befica get the victory. They win 2-0 on the road. Let's go then to the goal point. I'll put it up on the screen here. And we'll look at how the players rated in this match. There you see the goal point And here is the we'll actually make it bigger here. So, for for Spartak, we're going to start with Mash Kiminko. The goalkeeper gets a 6.1. Let's actually look at some of the some of the analytics here. Um Spartak get an 0, 0.3 expected goals. That's that's a good defensive performance from Benfica uh, to allow them to such a low uh, xG. They finish with an average 5.29 rating. Well, Benfica have an XG of 1.6 goals, and um, you know played up to that performance with two goals scored. A 6.44 average rating. Back to Spartex uh, ratings now. Raskakov uh, on the right on the right uh, back position 4.9. Gigo it's 5.7. Zikia 5.7. And Ayrton, 5.3. Bakayev 5.5. Hendricks 5.4. Umirayo um, Umi Arov, 5.8 Zobnin 5.5 Larsen 5.1 and Sobolev 3.6. Not a good day for the striker. For Benfica, or uh, we can also look at the the substitutes for for uh, Spartak. Ignatov 4.7 Moses 5.2 Kral 5.0 and Ponce 5.0. Benfica, Vlakodimos with the 6.6 6 in goal. A good performance, like I said. He did everything he needed to do. Diogo Salas, 6.3 at, at the right wing back. Lucas Farissimo with a monster performance. Massive performance, 8.0 on the goal point. That is high on this rating system. Goal point is is consistently lower ratings than other other um, analytic sites. Uh, for example, Thought Mob is always at least a point higher on each player um, than the goal point is. Otamendi, 6.6 for tongue and 5.9. Grimaldo, 6.1. Veigel 6.9. Dromari, is 6.5. Uh, on Fout mob. it's worth noting he's the player of the match with an 8.3. So that just shows you the difference in whatever the software is and whatever the specific um, information and data they use to come up with these ratings is. Rafa has a 7.8 with the goal. Seferovic, 5.3. PZ. Off the bench, Gonzalo Ramos, 4.7. Everton Sabolina, 4.7. And Gilberto, look at that, 6.9. Maybe the highest rating I've ever seen for Gilberto. We look at uh, Lucas Verissimo here. You can look at his heat map, and he spent a lot of time here at the top of the defensive third. Um, He had an assist, he had a pass that means he broke the lines on a pass. He had three steals, uh, five interceptions, eight clearances. Okay, and he he cleared away or he blocked three, three passes or crosses and won both of his aerial duels. That was the man of the match there uh, for Lucas Verissimo. Some more statistics here. Benfica, 15 shots to seven. Um, five of those on goal. 40 40 actions in the opponent's uh, penalty area. I love this stat because this tells you where they're playing, where Benfica are possessing. This tells me more than possession, of course, because this tells me where the match is being played, and you can see the difference there. The actions in the opponent's penalty area, Benfica 40, Spartak 16, five corners to four in favor of Benfica, 88% pass efficiency with a very good 75% vertical pass efficiency. Um... Benfica with nine defensive actions in the opponent's midfield, while Spartak pressed a bit. Um, thirteen actions in Benfica's midfield. Benfica committed thirteen fouls to uh, to Spartak's ten, and fifty eight percent of possession to Benfica. Okay, let's take a look. Then I'm not I'm not going to pull up the lateral esquerdo article on the screen because it has video content on it and i don't want to get taken down but i will go over what they say here um if you i have the link in the show notes and you know what i will do is i'll also put it in the chat right now for anybody watching i will throw the link to the to the article in the chat there it is it's going to show up on all my accounts but there's the link um you can see the article there. The videos are there. I do recommend checking it out. They break it down really well on where Benfica won this. Um Pedro Bosas, who wrote the who gave the the pre-match analysis on Canal Ons, and he's actually the performance and the analyst for Boavista. He works for Oswaldo Ferreira and it's very very uh interesting that he's he's doing some work for Canal One still. He is the founder of Letral Esquerdo. So um a lot of this analysis comes from him, but he he We break it down, and I'm looking right now at a still image of Benfica and their defensive setup in their 3-4-3 versus Spartak's 4-1-4-1, and he compares it to the Portugal versus Germany match in the Euro, and the difference was Benfica were nowhere near as efficient as Germany were in that match, and that's why it was only a 2-0 result. Um, But again, Benfica overloaded the flanks, and Spartak had no answer for it. Who have you thought he side? Apparently unprepared. Perhaps they prepared for the four-four-two that uh that George Jules was playing all preseason. Not sure. But if you go there, you can see the still image. And you can see the, the lines where Bifigo were playing. Again, the three-man back line. The high wingbacks. And then a very good double pivot in midfield. Performed by Weigel and João Mário Controlling the game completely out of there. And um, again, Rafa PZ playing into the gaps uh playing into the fr- going from the outside to the center channel while Harris Seferovic and then later uh gonzalo Ramush playing in the striker role trying to get on the end of it the other key was was um benfica was very very uh successful in passing out of the press so in this match um Spartak really tried to press Benfica. They tried to make Benfica's back line play out of the back. And that turned out to be a mistake, in my opinion, because, well, they very easily found the wingbacks, who very easily found Weigel and João Mario, who from there passed. You know, again, you see, when a team presses, the team has to press together. If one player in the press is not where he's supposed to be at the time he's supposed to be, somebody's wide open, and they're allowed to turn, and then you're, you know, the team pressing is now is at is now at a disadvantage, and they they show it he they show it there. They have a video that you can watch if you're looking at it, and it'll freeze it for you, and it'll show you just the combination play. Like I'm watching right now, but if you finding uh, also finding Rafa in the in the in the gaps, um, of course after after. Um, Passing out of the back. After finding the outlet pass or finding Weigel and Dromadio, they quickly find Rafa. And we know what Rafa can do in transition. Rafa, his his strength is playing in transition. He did a lot of that in this match. He was very, very important for Befica. And then with the wingbacks playing so high, they gave additional options wide. Created those overloads on both sides. And Spartak unable to 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 cope with that. So, again, Mayfica did everything right. Tactically, the better side. Of course, technically, the better side as well. Better players. Um, they were more efficient as well. So, all in all, a very good performance from Mayfika. Again, I don't think that this Spartak team is very good. So, I don't want to get too high on it. But if you compare them to a team in our league, I think this is... This is um, this is, you know, a solid result. If, you know, this is this is a Vitória Gimarangeu. This is a a Passos Ferreira Santa Clara. Maybe a Braga. I probably would would rate Braga higher. The yeah, I definitely rate Braga higher than Spartak. But it gives you an idea of what to do. Now, what I want to see is how Benfica play when they're not under the press, because we're going to see that tomorrow when we see Moreirense up in Moreira dos Conagos. They're not going to press high. They're going to sit in deep. And how do Benfica find the spaces between the lines? Uh, Nojoumadio against against Morientes, of course. So that's another. That's going to be another issue. Um, either Terapt or I don't think Miete is going to start there. So it's going to probably be either Terapt or we. Or it's going to be Terapt. <laughs> I, I think with all, the, I think it's going to be Terapt playing in that in that position that that Romadi is going to vacate. I can't see um anyone else getting the start. Um, unless he decides to go Miete and and pull him after 55 minutes or something, 45 minutes, maybe he splits the match between Miete and and Tarapt I don't know. Um again, Gabriel not an option. We're looking for a club for him. Uh, Luca Waldschmidt could play in that position they don't seem to use him there when he was in Germany he played a more a more a deeper lying you know attacking midfield role uh, he could be an option there but I don't see JJ going to it he's never gone to it before um, judging by what JJ's done in the past I think he's going to Trapt. I uh, that's what I expect to see tomorrow uh, in place of João Mario. you could play one of the kids there maybe he play or maybe he plays Jetson uh Jetson's an option too, but I didn't mean Jetson. I meant to say Florentino. Maybe he plays Florentino and Vigel plays in Joe Mario's role alongside uh, PZ. Who knows? That's an option. I don't know what JJ's going to do. Like I said, it's very early in the season and he's not predictable yet. <laughs> but all in all, I like the way he managed this match. So I am confident going into Moreira Dushkanikou tomorrow. Uh, just concerned with you know, João Mário proved to be a very important part of this team. Um, as far as that, the striker role, not sure. Maybe he's gonna go with uh, with Gulsal Ramuj. I think Seferovic is injured. Darwin is injured. Roman uh, Yarmakov. Uh, he just arrived, so I don't. I don't think we're gonna see him from the start. Or maybe we see him get the 60 minute, you know, shift and Gonzalo Romero gets the last 30, who knows. Something along those lines could happen. Luca also an option again as well. Luca's a versatile player, Luca Waldschmidt. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what, where where JJ's head's at tomorrow. I'm excited for this match and I'm interested to see where his head's at and going into the second leg what exactly he is going to do. So, what we're going to do right now. We're going to take a short break here, okay? For those of you watching on YouTube, I will be right back um for for those of you listening on the podcast all right you know it, what it is it's halftime it's the or halftime of the podcast you're going to get a little music and we will be right back uh in just a moment and um make sure you go and follow me on Twitter i got it right there on the screen for those of you watching don't forget um i'm using my personal twitter now you can still follow @bankficamister that is the show's twitter I'll still post, you know, sh- episodes there. I'll still post content there, but um, to get more of, of, of my views, my reactions, follow me at Mike Agustino. That's at M I K E A G O S T I N H O. All right, and of course, follow on on uh, Instagram at Mister Benfica and at Magustinho twenty at M A G O S T I N H O two zero and um you can you can follow me there as well and don't forget check out www.mrbenfica.com dificuldade É a nossa força, sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora, nós somos O eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos Revolver. nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos Revolver. nós A fé que Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica, ouve a nossa voz. O querer de todos nós, até que não se explica. Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica, ouve a nossa voz. all right, we're back here on Mr. Benfica, episode 117, start of season four. It starts tonight, season four, everybody. Can't believe we are already at season number four. Seems like yesterday I was talking into my cell phone, uh, and and doing episode one. All right, we're gonna change. Uh, we're gonna change speeds here a little bit. We're gonna change sports. We're going to Tokyo now. All right, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about the Olympics, Benfica's performance at the Olympics, uh, precisely. Uh, two medals, okay. And it's very clear that Benfica's Olympic program is completely being supported by two clubs. Of course, that's us and our neighbors to the other side of the Skund, um and the medal count ended 2-2 two, two, down the middle. But um, it's all Portugal when we get to the Olympics. So congratulations to Jorge Fonseca and Patricio Mamona as well. Yes, you are on the wrong side of Lisbon. Yes, you're wearing the wrong colors in the club in the club uh, loyalty side. But it's Portugal, and. Um, very happy for both of those athletes and very happy they brought two medals to Portugal. Um, but let's talk about Benfica's performance. At least they're two medalists. We know uh, outside of the two medals, you know, Telma Monteiro had a tough tough uh, competition, eliminated on the first day of competition in judo. Um, she's medaled before. She had a bronze medal in, in Rio four years, five years ago, sorry. Um, <laughs> four years ago, if you go by the branding, five years ago in real time. Didn't have as good of a, of a showing. Uh, we did have, you know, the name is now escaping me and I apologize. But we got a, a, a seventh place in rowing yesterday in a kayak, a female kayak. Uh, I believe she's a Benfica athlete as well. And, you know, you had the two-man, uh, you had a, another Benfica athlete, sorry, in the one-man kayak on the men's side. Also failed to get on the podium, but finished pretty high in the table. Um, but it's all about the two medals. Uh, sorry, I, my mind is. The one man kayak is the bronze medal. It is Fernando Pimenta. I don't know where my brain just went. It's Friday night. It, it is late here on the East Coast. Uh, late for me because I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning. But um, Fernando Pimenta gets himself a bronze medal in kayaking. One man kayak, okay? Uh, very, he's a Benfica athlete. Very, very good performance. But the story for Portuguese athletics this year is on the runway at the Olympic Stadium. My favorite event in the sport here in the United States, we call track and field. The rest of the world, you call it athletics. Uh, Pedro Pichardo, what a story about Pedro Pichardo. And I think this is going to prompt a written piece from me on www.mrbanfica.com. I think I'm going to start working on it. Um if you don't know his story it is remarkable and it's unfortunate he's getting some hate from some of the people in Portugal it's it's unfortunate some people can't see past his status as um I guess you could call him a refugee um given asylum in Portugal he escaped he defected from the Cuban uh track team in 2017 okay uh, when they wouldn't allow his father to continue to coach him. I didn't know this part of his story. This is fantastic. So his father was his coach, and then when he was on the national team, his father was no longer his coach. His performances, or it hit a point where the Cuban government removed his father out of the picture, and his performances started to dip. Somehow, I'm, i i got to do more research. I don't know how this happened, but somehow Pedro and his father both escaped. I believe his mother escaped as well from, you know, in Germany. They planned to go to Switzerland. Uh, His father decided we're going to go to Portugal instead because the climate in Switzerland is not conducive to a jumper because of the amount of of time, you know, the amount of months in the year you're going to spend training indoors due to the weather and the snow. And for those you don't know, I don't talk about this much, but I have a background in in track and field and athletics as well. Believe it or not, I used to compete in track and field, and I even coached it for nine years. That's right. For nine years, I was coaching both football and athletics. Okay, And the triple jump was one. uh, It is my favorite event, and it was my favorite event to coach. I was horrible at it as a competitor. Um, I almost, you know... I almost didn't get into the sand pit when I did it, um, but to coach it, I really enjoyed coaching it. It's such a technical event, such a a you need such dedication to be good at the triple jump. Pedro Pichardo has that, okay. And his father revealed to us that Pedro was going for the world record in these Olympics. That was the goal. He did not meet that goal, okay. He did not hit eighteen point forty meters. Or 18 meters 40. Uh, that was his goal. He ended up with 17.98, but good enough to win the gold medal. Um, I love this event, and he had a very good uh, start in the in the in the prelims. Okay, um, he he comes into the finals. Okay, in the prelims you get three jumps. Uh, Pedro jumped 17.71 in his in his prelim. This was two days ago or three days ago. Um, finishing top of the first round, qualifying for the final, and actually passes his third jump uh, because he already knew he had the number one seed in the final. And um, so he, he he gets his season best in the prelims. That was a great start. So he, he finishes the prelims uh, 50, 58 centimeters ahead of Turkey's Nakati Err. Um, so we move to the finals now. So in the finals, you get six more jumps, and I now see. See, I watch this here in the United States. Those of you watching uh, abroad right now who are not or listening abroad who are not in the United States, this is kind of not going to relate to you. But I was watching on NBC. I recorded this. This this happened at 10 p.m. our time here in the United States. Okay. Again, I had to work. I couldn't stay up and watch it. I woke up at one, at two o'clock in the morning, or at one thirty in the morning, to try to watch it before I went to work. Didn't happen um, because of the way NBC produced their coverage. They threw it, you know, towards the end. And once they it was a couple hours into the programming, so I had to watch it the next morning. I managed to shut my phone off, uh, as far as internet. I shut off the data, shut off the Wi-Fi. I didn't look at my computer. I, I literally didn't want any spoilers. I knew he was coming in, you know, on a high, and I finally watched it. But they they pick it up in round two, and in round two, Pedro is already leading. So Pedro's first jump, seventeen point six one meters. Okay, I'm gonna pull out my metric to English uh, calculator here. Give me just a moment. And I'm gonna convert this for you, for everyone. For those of you here in the United States, we are not good at this, so we need the calculator in order to know how far this is going. But for um, so he jumped 17.71 in the prelims. That is 58.10 feet. So that's about 58 feet. I don't know an inch, something like that. Um, he comes in, like I said, he, he jumps 17.61 in his first jump and that's 57, 57 and three quarters feet. So 57 feet, nine inches roughly, um, and takes the lead early. Okay. He matches that in his second jump. He gets the same exact distance in his second jump, 60, uh, 17.61, S- 57 feet, 9 inches, roughly. Okay. Um, and he is leading. However, in the second round, um, China's Zhu Yaming picks up a 17.41 jump. So he's only 20 centimeters behind Pedro that prompts Pedro to the third jump. This is the only one I got to see. This is the only one NBC showed us here in the United States. I now can see why, as I look at the final, you know, the final three jumps, why we didn't see any of them. But Pedro Pichardo, with his Olympic-winning Portuguese record jump, seventeen point nine eight centimeters, fifty-nine feet and change, if I'm not mistaken. Let me relook. Look that. Uh, let me put that in the calculator one more time. Pretty sure that's what it said it is. So yeah, it just shy of 59 feet. It comes out as as 58 feet 11 inches. So new Portuguese record. He breaks his own Portuguese record and wins the gold medal on that jump. His fifth, his fourth jump he fouls. Fifth jump he passes and on his final jump he already knew he had the gold medal this is the one he probably where he goes for the gold where he goes for the world record and he fouls on the board you guys do not know how hard it is to go after a record in this event because it's all about rhythm and it's all about muscle memory and and your body knowing your fast twitch fibers knowing where you are if you've never competed in athletics, if you've never done the long jump or the triple jump, you do not you do not look at the board. If you look down to the board, you're going to jump from way behind it. You cannot see directly down in front of you. And where you want the board to be when you jump is directly underneath you. You want your toe to get right up to the edge of that board without going over. That is the key. That is how you break records. Okay. Um, you could see the Chinese jumper uh, Azu when he tried t- on his final jump to to pass to pass Pedro. He he snuck a peek at the board. He was running fast. I think he was running faster than he normally does because what you, the way you do this is is you practice running the runway. Okay, whatever many steps you and your coach decide you're going to run. Okay. You practice it and you train yourself to know in your head how many steps you have taken. And when you hit that jump step, your foot hits the ground. You smack it hard and you push off the ground and you take off, okay? Um, If you run faster than normal or slower than normal, obviously that means when you get to that step, you are not where you want to be. This is what happened to the Chinese jumper trying to catch him. I think he, he... Went too fast and actually thought he was further in front than he was. I think he snuck a peek at the board and jumped because he was behind it. And he had a very short jump. His final jump was very short, giving the gold medal to Pedro Pichardo. Um, And Pedro, going for the record again, tries to get everything into it. Fouls. It is what it is. But you have to understand how difficult this event is. It is repetition over and over and over and over again. Training your body and your mind your brain to synchronize your steps so that you know where you are, okay? And then you have to do, in the triple jump, it's even harder because you've got to do a hop, a skip, and a jump. And you want them to be as close to even as possible. You don't want a big first hop, okay? Because what's going to happen is you're going to land too hard. You're not going to be able to put, your body is, you know, you're going to have a downward motion, Um you know, and I used to teach this to kids. And you, you, when you get too big, and the kids, the first instinct is get a real big hop because you're running, and then you land on one leg because you have to land on the same leg you take off from. Okay, you switch legs on the second, on the hop, on the skip, on the hop you have to land on the same leg. Uh, he, if you jump to, if you, if your hop is too long. Your body is going to feel the shock and your knee is going to give a little bit. Your weight's going to come down and you're not going to have the strength you need to push off that ground to get up again. You don't want to go high. You want to you want to kind of hover. Okay, on the first on the hop and the skip. It's a hover. Too many athletes, if you're not an elite athlete, you jump too high and you jump too far on the hop, okay? Which makes your skip very very short because you're not getting the push off you need off off of the runway. So <sighs> So, um, again, Pedro gets a perfect, perfect hop. Okay, he's off the ground, but not by much. He gets that, that hop leg up. He gets his knee up, which is only going to give him more power when it hits the ground. And he times bringing his foot down perfectly so that he pushes off the ground again. His skip is immaculate. I mean, you don't know how hard this is. He gets off the ground on his... On one leg, okay. Then in the air has to switch legs, so that the other leg hits the ground, gets um, comes off the skip, perfect. And then the jump is off is off the off leg. So again, you have to know which leg is your better leg. If you mess up your steps, you're jumping off the wrong leg. It's a bad jump. It's so so technical. And again, he gets three even phases. Of his triple jump, and in the last jump, you just want to get up and out as far as you can, and you saw him throw his body forward, throw his feet forward, and out to seventeen meters ninety-eight. Gold medal for Pedro Pichardo. Yes, he is Portuguese. I don't. I'm tired of hearing him uh, announces the hyphenated Portuguese. We never called Deku the Brazilian Portuguese, or, or or we never questioned Pep's you know loyalty to the national team as a hyphenated Portuguese uh Pedro Pichardo gave an, gave interviews in Portuguese. He speaks very good Portuguese for a Spanish speaker. It's a very hard transition from Spanish to Portuguese um if you don't if you didn't realize that listen to what Grimaldo still sounds like after all these years. Pedro Pichardo with half the time in Portugal speaking very good Portuguese um yes with a Spanish accent but very very good Portuguese and um yeah, gold medal for Portugal, the fifth ever gold medal for Portugal. Fernando Ribeiro, um, oh, I had this yesterday, Fernando Ribeiro has one, Carlos Lopes, Rosa Mota, uh, <laughs> uh, Nelson Evora, and now P- Pedro Pablo Pichardo, P4, as he's known, Pedro Pablo Pichardo uh, Peralta, his full name, P4. Thank you, Pedro Pichardo, for the gold medal to Portugal. He said it the only way he can repay Portugal for what they have given him was to win the gold medal. But he's still motivated. He wants the world record. He's gonna go for it. There is more he's not done. He's twenty-eight years old. We're gonna see him in Paris in four in three years. He'll be he'll only be thirty-one. And you know Paris is the capital of Portugal outside of Portugal. So he's gonna be in the Stade de France. It's gonna be it's a stadium that will always hold a special place in the heart of the Portuguese. And let's see if he can go repeat in three years, in 2024, in Paris. Pedro uh, Pedro Pichardo, congratulations. You have made me proud. You have made us proud, especially because you're a Benfica athlete, baby. Benfica, win the gold medal at the Olympics. Let's, uh, Let's not forget that. Let's celebrate that. All right, everybody, thank you for joining me. Again, I apologize with some of the connection issues. I don't know how this is going to get resolved. My cable company says they're not throttling my speeds. I say otherwise. But thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, that's going to do it for this episode 117. Here we are, a new season, a new season. we got a match tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern time here in the United States, 10 a.m. Pacific time for my friends out in California and in Washington State. I know i got a few of you out there in Washington State that watch this. Shout out to you guys. Um, I, I, you know you know how much I appreciate the love and support from everybody that watches, listens, and uh, follows me. Um, it means everything to me. Those of you in Portugal, it is a 6 p.m., 18 o'clock kickoff in Moreira dos Conagos, Benfica, traveling to Moreira dos Conagos. As you know, Sporting started the league tonight, 3-0 win over Vizela. Starting the season at the top of the table again, annoying. Pott has two goals already. So tomorrow, I want to see one of BeFikas guys go get two goals. Uh, let's see what happens tomorrow. Maybe Yarmuchuk comes off the, comes in and nets two of his own. What a what a way to debut that would be for our Ukrainian striker. And I just want to say one thing before I go about about Roman Yarmuchuk. I like this signing, and here's why. It is about time BeFikas go get a player in his prime. Roman Yarmuchuk is in his prime. We saw at Euro 2020 how good he is. Okay, he is the key guy in that in that Ukrainian attack. He scored some real bangers in 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 that Euro. Um, I'm thinking of one against Poland. I think it was against Poland or was it against Spain. Sorry, uh, one of the it was one of the early matches. I know I was real high of it on the podcast on the parking the bus podcast. Um, big big uh, performance uh, from him in that tournament. I hope we get to see a lot of that from from Roman Yarmuchuk. This could be a real good signing for us because like I said, he's not a kid, he's not purchased for potential to sign again. We're not going to I mean to sell him, we're not going to sell him for a profit. Okay, he's here to perform and he's here to produce for us on the pitch, not not in the bank, on the pitch, not on the spreadsheet. Um again, 28 years old. I love it. I love this signing because again, he is in his prime. Um of course, it makes you think of other, other, uh, another Ukrainian we had a generation ago, Yuran, um, who unfortunately betrayed us later. But you know, similar, similar uh, type of, of 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 build, similar type of game. He's Ukrainian, just like he was. Um, I'm looking looking forward to seeing him play. Yeah, it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt Gonzalo Ramos' um, development, perhaps. Maybe not because he can learn from them. And you know what? There's a lot of matches. There is going to be minutes for every With with all the injuries, Gonzalo's going to get his minutes. And I think JJ really, really has liked and appreciated Gonzalo's work this preseason. I think he's going to continue to reward him with the minutes, whether it be off the bench or, you know, in the starting 11. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Hoping I'm not disappointed. Hoping I'm not back to the Mr. Bainfica of 2020, 2021. I'm hoping this 2021, 22 season is a new start, a new, a new, uh, ascend for us Um, the club has you know the club is is in a transitional phase things are going to happen this year things are going to change but I'm happy to see it doesn't appear to be affecting the team on the pitch right now Um, JJ managed a good match okay we'll see what happens with him Um, I'm hopeful I'm hopeful we get we get the flamingo version of JJ this year and that our team just goes on a tear Okay, it's going to be a competitive league. I think the league's going to be very, very competitive this season. I think uh, we're better. I think Sporting are even better, to be honest. I think they're going to be even better than last year um, from a, from a technical-tactical standpoint. Uh, they have another year with Ruben under their belt. They've brought in some good players. Uh, Ricardo Izgayu, uh, you know, uh Ruben Vinagre, who I wish we had picked up, but that's yeah, that's water under the bridge. Um, they looked good today. They did. They looked good. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Porto are gonna be better as well. I think. I know they've uh, they got some players in limbo. We don't know what's gonna happen. But again, um, I think they're gonna be extra motivated. They didn't win the league last year, so they're gonna be motivated. Sergio's gonna have them. They're gonna have them full of raiva, full you know, sh- you know, full of uh, full of rage, if you will. You're gonna have them hungry. They're gonna go after it. Um, it's gonna be a competitive league. I think Sporting Braga also are gonna be better this year. Um, Why do I say that? I think they just they just year after year know how to turn out good teams. Another year with Carlos Carvalhal, uh, you know they they just keep finding players. They just keep building on what they had, and I think that I think Braga, you know, the fixture congestion. The big reason for me that I think all three teams are going to be better is the lesser congestion in the fixture list. And I think the teams are going to play more to their potential. Last year, nobody played to their potential aside from Sporting. So I think we, we could really have a good race this year for the title. Um, and we'll see. You know, the Modalidad is going to be starting soon. I'm psyched for that. I love the modalidade. You all know that. Um, can't wait to get this season underway. It's 2021-22, Season 4. Mr. Benfica, thank you for joining me, like I said. And I will catch you probably uh, either Sunday or Monday uh, with episode 118. We'll review the Morerence match. And also don't forget to catch the Parking the Bus podcast live this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern time here in the United States on the Parking the Bus Twitter feed, on the Parking the Bus um, YouTube channel as well. And if you're watching right now for the first time, thank you. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Hit the little bell next to it so you get alerted every time that I go live. And, um, I'm going to be trying to go live every single episode this season. The goal is to put them all on this platform. So at the end of the season, you'll see a season four playlist on the YouTube channel. Also, you know, uh, there's a chance that you may see me in, in some other locations as well. So looking forward to this season, looking forward to, uh, looking forward to just, you know, having Bayfica back again. You know, it's it, no matter how bad a season is when the next one starts. That hope and that that uh, excitement is it's there on day one. So uh, thank you, and I'll talk to you next time. Don't forget to follow on Twitter at Mike Agustino, That's at M I K E A G O S T I N H O, and don't forget to, to check out www. com. Follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, um, uh, on. On iHeartRadio, on Audible, on Alexa. Just tell Alexa to play the Parking the Bus podcast. Follow it on TuneIn, on CastBox. You know, wherever you get your podcasts, Mr. Benfica is pretty much everywhere now. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. Even if you watch the video, please download the show. Play it for five seconds and delete it so that I can get uh, some of those listens and try to to, uh, grow this audience a little bit more. And I'll catch you next time here on Mr. Benfica. This is the Mr. Mike Agustinho signing off. Carrega Benfica, Forza Benfica, Pelo Benfica. We are Benfica e Pollutibus Unum. Until next time titt titt don don titt 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 da opp titt 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 I hate the music business, the way your is gifted all to switch from being honest to cool and distant New but not truly different We got a ruling really misfits, players and jocks While we playing a part of the coolest bitch. Ain't a high school movie, had a brace like Tootie when the news hit em. Only if you will listen, cause there ain't nothing new about the facts A I do. So why don't you sit calm, if the shoe fits on, why don't you kick some? How that good shit that you spit, amusement fun. They get you sick for two spins and music 101. It gets fun in the club, I'm done. Unless I go numb, make my flow dumb. Go write a hit song called Fight or Run. So many idols come, so many idols go. But in the end, man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah.